Man, well, happy new year. Almost. Almost. You see, that's the thing. For most of us in here, 2012 is dead. 2012 is long gone, and we are mentally fully into 2013. What we want to accomplish, our dreams, our hopes, all of that stuff, that's what we're focusing on. 2012 is dead to us. It's over. It's in the past. Not so fast. Let me tell you a little story. It was the second semester of my senior year at TCU. Go Frogs. Hurting loss last night. I know. Devastating. That's okay. I had taken just a ton of hours knowing that I was going to, it's just the last semester, blow it out. I was already engaged to Robin, graduating in May, married in June. I had checked out on this semester long before the semester ever even started. My class load was coaching football, awesome, swimming, classic. I actually took one class, uh, business and professional speaking, and then one other one that was so meaningful and impactful to my life, I have no clue what the class was. So I was having a blast. When a good bit into the semester, I realized I have a chance to pull off straight A's this semester. A feat that I never did in any other semester. But I realized if I was ever going to accomplish straight A's, it was going to be this one. Go all the way through the semester, all the way through classes, trying to study. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. I fell one short. You know what else class that was? What I didn't tell you about. Because you would have thought I'd have aced it. I took a class in Christian ministry. Really? Are you serious? I got a B. Everything else I got an A in, a B in Christian ministry. Sorry for y'all, just a church. I, I'm a B at what I do. I'd have been, I'm better at swimming, coaching football, but no, I'm, I'm here. Look, we don't think about finishing well that often. We, we continually think about what's next for us. We're continually thinking about what is coming up. Look, in high school, it's called senioritis. And for all of you parents, you know that it really kicks in junior year. We are, we're continually thinking about the next relationship that we have if we're dating. It's always what's next, not ending the relationship we're in right now well. We're continually thinking about what our next job is going to be, not finishing and accomplishing tasks that we'd already had on our plate at our current job. I mean, we even go as far as to move our kids from activity to activity to activity, trying to better them. But at the same time, we don't think about relationships that they have formed in these activities. And they don't finish well. And then they see those their friends at school, and it's awkward because we don't think about finishing well. We just jump on into what's next. Look, it's not about the preseason polls. It's where you end up at the end of the season. And the Cowboys aren't even going to make the playoffs. I know. I know. Look, I spent some time for this message studying and looking at the last chapter of all of Paul's letters. Think about it. Paul, the greatest church planner and missionary of all time, every town that he went to, he was under attack because of his faith. 
Every place that he went, he had no idea what was waiting for him. A trap that was waiting. Who, if, who was going to imprison him? What he was going to come up against? He's under all of this stress. And at the same time, he's thinking about these churches, and he's writing letters to them. I guarantee you, at the end of every letter, he thought, this might be my last letter. This could be it, because I don't know what tomorrow is going to entail. And he was very detailed and intentional on how he finished his letters. And we know it, because all of his letters in the end look eerily similar. So we know that he was very careful in how he phrased it. You see, he spent just as much time at the end of his letters as he did in the middle, in the meat of his theological arguments and what he is trying to teach. He spent just as much time in the closing paragraphs. And it went to show the readers that, look, I care about you personally just as much as I do about all of the great information that I talked about, that they mattered. You see, when we don't finish well at a job, basically we're telling the people that we worked with, you never really mattered to me. When we just up and we leave and we don't even think about finishing well, well, it's the relationships that hurt. When a relationship is ended abruptly, it's not finished well for whatever circumstance, we're basically telling that person, you never really meant anything to me to begin with. Because if those relationships did matter, well, then we would have stopped. We would have finished well. And we would have ended those relationships right. I mean, think back on some of the relationships. All you think about is the end. All you think about is how it finished. Here we are, and yeah, we've only got days left of 2012, but we still have the opportunity to finish well. We still have a chance to learn from Paul's letters some keys that he did to finish well that we can apply in just a handful of days that we have left. Because if we finish 2012 right, we will give ourselves a head start into 2013. But if we don't finish 2012 the right way, well, then we're starting behind the eight ball. So after looking at all the chapters, I pulled three things out that I saw in multiple chapters, and I've kind of highlighted them for us. I want us to look at them today real quick as we look at the three things that we need to do in preparation to make 2013 great. Here's the first one. I must thank the people who blessed me in 2012. I must thank the people who blessed me in 2012. At the end of the book of Philippians, in chapter 4, verses 15 through 18, Paul writes, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I, started, uh, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. Now I want you to underline all of verse 18 as I read it. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus, which I think he's in the Hobbit, the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Look, I found something interesting in, in, in my studies a couple of weeks ago when I was working on this message. 
thank you wasn't very common in Paul's time. They didn't say thank you a lot because it was just understood. You see, hospitality and generosity and being grateful was a given in their culture. When the Philippians learned that they were the only ones that were giving aid to Paul, I promise you, they were shocked. They were absolutely shocked by it. That's why they just continued to generously give, because it was expected. And so for Paul to even write this down, to say, listen, guys, I got to let you know, thank you, I am amply supplied by you, goes to show how grateful he was. There are people who have blessed you in 2012. There are people that have gone out of their way to consider you better than themselves, to consider your needs and your desires more important than their own. And they need to be thanked for it. Because in 2013, don't we want to be blessed? Don't we want more of that? Absolutely. Well, it happened in 2012 for us. I started sitting down and I started making a list of everybody who has greatly blessed me in 2012, I've got a lot of thanking to do. You know, I need to write a thank you letter to Tennyson and Mika Smith. They lead our prayer ministry here at the park. I cannot tell you how much prayer is over our church, how much prayer is over you and your family and our kids that are meeting right now and all of the needs that take place within our church and in our small groups because they have assembled a great team of people to pray. From the people that pray down here at front, from the people that pray for the prayer requests that we have, I'm telling you, because of their commitment to growing spiritually, our church is becoming a true house of prayer. I'm grateful for them as a pastor, but I'm also grateful for them as just a member of Parkway Fellowship, knowing that my family is getting prayed for. I'm so grateful for the blessings that I've gotten through them. I'll tell you another person I need to write a thank you letter to is Kathy Brooks. A lot of y'all don't even know her and her team and what they do, but you experience the blessings over and over and over and over again because her and her team run the donuts and coffee. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. There are hundreds of people that need to write thank you letters. Look, and it's not just Kathy. She's assembled an amazing team together. But all of the scheduling and making sure that they're there to have the hot coffee and the donuts so that you can bribe your kids with coming to church, none of that would take place. There are families that are here. You know exactly who you are because of that reason. Because when you were looking for churches, your kids cried about every other church until they came here and they loved it because they can have as many donuts as they want. That's why you're here today. It is a huge undertaking for donuts for 2,000 people who walk through these doors. I'm eternally grateful, eternally grateful. And so are my kids, and so is their dentist. <laughs> Look, another person I need to thank is my wife, Robin. The stuff she puts up with and she is there encouraging. You weren't supposed to say amen to that. Whoever said amen. <laughs> that, that, no. 
the love and support that she gives me, man, it encourages me to be a better Christ follower, a better husband, father, and a pastor. I mean, I could go on and on and on. But you know something that I learned in Paul? Paul wrote letters. It's one thing to say thank you. It's another thing to write a letter. Look, not a text, not an email, a letter. There are people that you need to thank who blessed you in 2012 before you move on into 2013. Here's the second thing. I need to make my wrongs right. I need to make my wrongs right. Look, at the end of Paul's letter, he always mentions people specifically by name. Often I've just glanced over them because they didn't concern me and I'm because I can't pronounce half of them. But here's something that when you begin to look at the end of all of these letters, they piece together a puzzle. And you begin to realize these are real letters. Paul's a real guy writing to real people in real churches. I mean, it's peeling back the pages of history and getting into exactly what happened then. Uh, there's a key passage, just a key passage that I pulled out, and I want us to take a look at them real quick. At the end of Philemon, chapter 1, it's just one chapter, by the way, so this is the very end. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, underline Demas for me, and Luke, circle Luke, and my co-workers. Look what it says in Colossians 4.14. Luke, circle Luke, the beloved doctor sends his greetings, and so does Demas, underline Demas. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 9 through 11. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Underline this, Demas has deserted. Me, because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke, circle Luke, is with me. We have a picture here of two guys, Luke and Demas, who finished well. Luke. Luke went on to write the Gospel of Luke. He, he is heralded as one of the greatest Christ followers. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts. He is remembered for the works that he's done. Demas, ouch. See, here's what's hard. Demas was part of one of the greatest church movements in all of history. Demas did amazing work for God's kingdom. He was there with Paul, helping write letters, helping meet needs, helping plant churches, help set up leaders in those churches. And then he deserted. And he deserted in the end. Look, Paul wrote 2 Timothy in 66 AD. It was his very last letter. He died in 67 AD. What was it? What was it that happened? In the very end, what made Demas leave? Was it something that was said? Was it a decision that was made? Look, you know Demas thought about it. You know when Demas went to those towns where they planted churches, he thought about it constantly. 
You know Demas thought about it when he heard word that Paul had been killed. He knew these guys. He knew these Timothys and Titus and Luke's. I mean, he was with them. Then he was just gone. Look, I don't know when it happened, but I'll tell you this. If he had worked on making his wrong right, he could have avoided that. I don't know the time frame, but there's a chance if Demas had come back and said, Paul, my bad. He might have been able to catch that before the letter of 2 Timothy was written. Poof, that would have been a big save. Look, there's a chance that in between the time that 2 Timothy was written and Paul died, Demas did come back and make his wrong right. I would have loved to have been a fly on that wall. Demas walks in, Paul, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for what I did. Paul says, look, Demas, it's fine, man. Don't worry about it. Everything's okay. You're back. We're good. But I got to be honest with you. I kind of trashed you in the letter that I wrote to Timothy. But it was just to Timothy. It was just to Timothy. It's not like this letter is going to be saved for all of eternity. It's not like everybody's going to know about it. Look, the next time I see Timothy, I'll let him know. The next time I see him, I'll let him know, you'll be good, everything will be cleared. Paul's killed. Oh, man. Demas could be like in heaven being like, I made my wrong right. We're going to get there and be like, what are you doing here, Demas? You deserted him. I didn't. Gosh, I just didn't get back fast enough. I know. Look, it's kind of funny to think about, but we need to offer forgiveness. We need to ask for forgiveness for things that happened in 2012 so that we can have a great 2013. Like, you don't have control if relationships are restored, but you do have control in your part. You have control in going and saying, I'm sorry for my part. Will you please forgive me? That's what we have to do to finish 2012 well. As I was thinking about it, in 2012, I did a horrible job, a horrible job of growing my relationship with my extended family. I've got an extended family that loves me, that desires to be a part of my life and my family, and I let the busyness of life take over. I let the, I'm too busy, we can't make a trip to come see you, I'm so sorry, all we can do right now is a quick phone call. I, it, I just, I, I look back, I look back, I did a horrible job of it. I, I have some apologies that I've got to make and some forgiveness that I've got to seek out. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one in the room that has to. So look, we have a handful of days left. Must make your wrongs right. There's a third thing that we find. There's a third thing we find in Paul's letter. I must always remember what's the most important. What's the most important Look, the book of Romans was Paul's longest letter. It was also his deepest, and in a lot of places, most difficult to understand. It was so thick in theology. But I I want you to look at how he wraps it up in the very end. It's in Romans 16, 25 through 26. In verse 27, he says, amen. So this is it. Let us give glory to God. He is able to make you stand firm in your faith, according to the good news. 
I preach about Jesus Christ, and according to the revelation of the secret truth, which was hidden for so for, for long ages in the past, now, however, that truth has been brought out into the open through the writings of the prophets, and by the command of the eternal God, it is made known to all nations, and underline this last part, so that all may believe and obey. Paul took everything he talked about for 16 chapters. The deepest ways of God talked about in Scripture, and he brought it all the way back to believe and obey. You see, it's easy for us to forget what's really important as we're thinking about the things that we want to accomplish in the new year. We're thinking about the blessings and the highs and the trips and the accomplishments that we want to make. And often we forget about what is the most important. What Paul is saying is it doesn't matter what you know of God from these 16 previous chapters. If you don't believe and obey, all of it was for naught. Doesn't matter what you know or what you accomplish, believe, obey, that is what is the most important. What the most important is, is for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because there's never come a time in your life where you have truly believed in Jesus as the Son of God. Then do it today. Talk about finishing 2012 well. The good news that Paul talks about in here is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born, what we just celebrated, but then he lived a perfect life, a perfect life, and then at the end of his life, received the, pen the punishment and the penalty for all of our mistakes, and because he took the penalty, conquered death, we now have the ability to spend eternity in heaven and have a relationship with God right now. That's what you need to believe. And then once you believe, well, it changes everything. Now you obey what he says, that Jesus is your Savior, and then he is the Lord of your life. Look, there's a simple prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, asking Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you of all your mistakes, and then pledge your life to follow him, do it right now. Do it at the end of the message. Do it today. Take it home. Pray it later. Pray the prayer and mean it. Look, it's easy to get lost in the great things that happen in 2012 and move on to 2013. I mean, this was a great year for our church. Remember back in the early, early spring last year when we carried those crosses in the field? back and forth, and God did amazing things as we carried those crosses. Remember in the springtime in our Easter series of the donations that we did to Katie Christian Ministries, to Star of Hope? Remember the amazing shoe haul and clothes haul that we had for all of the orphans at Steel Creek Ranch? And the literally hundreds and hundreds of kids that were adopted through World Vision? I mean, you remember all that great stuff? I mean, do you remember the ginormous vacation Bible school we had with like a thousand kids packed in this room was screaming so loud? I mean, we doubled our building this year, adding the preschool and the youth gym in our parking lot. Doesn't it seem like forever ago that back wall was plastic? Literally, it was just months ago that back wall was plastic. 
Look, with all the great things that happen here at the church, it's easy to forget why we're here in the first place. It's to reach the lost at any cost and grow them to maturity. It's so easy to get lost in what really matters in life if we don't finish well. Our ideals and values go out the window when we're not focused on finishing well. You know, if, if you, for when you're making your New Year's commitments, one of the things that is the most important is for you to read your Bible every day. You read your Bible every day, you're not going to have to worry about being a good husband or wife, mother, father, brother, sister. Everything else is going to fall into place. What's most important, if you read your Bible, you will know what's most important. You will know how to do it, and your life will be changed. Okay, if that's you, and you're going to make the commitment, I want you to start in the book of Mark. Read the book of Mark. It's a great, great book to start with. Uh, after that, go to the book of Acts. It talks about the early church and just some great stories that happened in the early church. It's a fun, easy read of a book, and it's really encouraging. After that, move on to James. It's a great how-to book on how to live life. In the Mark, you'll get the story of Jesus, and so you'll have a lot of stuff covered. Three books right there. If you finish those three, come find me. I'll tell you where to go. That's a great place to start. I know we only have days left in 2012, but it's crucial that we finish well. If you're finishing 2012 well, spills over a little bit in 2013, I think you'll be fine. But look, we only have days left, and it's really important. If it was that important to Paul, it should be that important to us. I want everybody right now to pull out your connection card. Flip it over on the back. I want you to take a next step based on the message today. We only have four of them today. Make it nice and easy. Hey, maybe for you, it's going to be this first one. Write three thank you notes this week to those who have blessed me in 2012. Would you do that? Three of them. Just three of them this week to those who blessed you. Maybe for you, it's this next one. Make every attempt possible to right at least one wrong I made in 2012. Look, I understand that some of it is out of your control and it's out of your power, but would you do everything possible to make one wrong right? One wrong right in 2012. Commit to focusing on my relationship with Jesus Christ as I head into 2013. What's most important? Read your Bible, relationship with Jesus Christ. When that relationship's taken care of, all your other relationships will be fine. Trust me. Focus on that one. You may review it's this last one. To pray the prayer on the notes and become a Christ follower for the first time today. Look, take those sermon notes home on the back of that prayer. Pray it right now in just a second. But look, whatever it takes, become a Christ follower. Talk about finishing well. Let me pray for us as Pat and the worship team come back up. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, God, that we would finish this year well with our eyes focused on you. God, would we focus on you? Would we think about you? Would we dwell on you? On the, on the ways and the ideals that Paul finished his letter with his eyes always focusing and thinking about you. God, is that how, would that be how we finish these last handful of days? Would we not think about 2013? Would we not become mentally entrenched in it, God, I pray that we would truly finish this year well. God, that we would be hoping on you, that we would be waiting on you. God, we love you. 
We thank you for all the blessings you gave us in 2012. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.